Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host Andrew Degler and today we are going to talk about education technology inside and outside of the classroom. Here is the plan for the next half an hour or so. First, we will have a conversation with two edutech founders from different parts of Europe about things that are going on in the industry. And later in the show, you will hear an interview recorded by Robin Wouters with an Estonian startup which claims that it can teach people new languages faster than anyone else. Today's episode is brought to you by Lark. If you are working remotely, you might be tired of having your calls cut short because you're not paying. Lark is a collaboration suite that provides free video calls for teams with unlimited minutes. On Lark, you can enjoy smooth and reliable calls for up to 100 participants, as well as advanced screen sharing. You can even co-edit documents with teammates from right within the video call window. It's a great experience. I tried it. Get Lark for free at larksuite.com techeu. Again, that's L-A-R-K-S-U-I-T-E dot com T-E-C-H-E-U. So to kick off the conversation about education, I am joined in our virtual studio by two great speakers. First, Ed Stockwell, the Ed Tech Entrepreneur and Head of Partnerships at Mel Science. Hi, Ed. Thanks a lot for joining. Hi, Andre. Great to be here. Also here with us is uh, Michal Barkovsky, uh, the CEO at Brainly.com. Hi, Michal. Thanks, uh, thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for the invitation. Now, before we dig in, let's first catch up with the most important European tech news presented by our reporter, Annie Musgrove. Hi, I'm Annie Musgrove of TechEU, and here are some of the most important news stories in European tech. The American chip giant Intel is acquiring MoveIt, an Israeli startup that analyzes urban traffic patterns and provides transportation recommendations with a specific focus on public transit. The deal values MoveIt at 900 million US dollars. Intel has previously invested in the startup, which means that effectively it's paying 840 million US dollars in this transaction. MoveIt provides traffic data to third parties, including Intel itself, Uber, and 7,500 transit authorities. It also has a popular app with 800 million users globally. Intel confirmed to TechCrunch's Ingrid Lunden that all existing services will continue. Additionally, Intel plans to use MoveIt's technology to expand the services it offers via Mobileye, the autonomous car company that Intel acquired in 2017 for 15.3 billion US dollars. Backmarket, the Paris-based online marketplace for refurbished electronics, has raised 120 million US dollars from Goldman Sachs, Aglaï Ventures, and Euraseo Growth. Founded in 2014, the French company has built a marketplace where consumers can buy refurbished electronics, such as laptops and smartphones, from over a thousand certified sellers, and also receive a 12-month warranty on those devices. According to a press release, new services around logistics and repair are in the pipeline. Currently, the business operates in France, as well as Spain, Germany, Italy, Belgium, the UK, Austria, and the US. The fresh funding will focus on strengthening the business in the US, UK, and German markets. German digital bank N26 has raised an additional 100 million US dollars in funding, CNBC reports. The round was backed by existing investors such as Chinese tech giant Tencent and Peter Thiel's Valor Ventures. It's an extension to N26's Series D round announced early last year. 
It brings the total raised in that round to 570 million US dollars. The startup's valuation actually remains unchanged at $3.5 billion, but co-founder and CEO Valentin Stolf believes it was a, quote, successful round, given recent volatility in financial markets that has in turn hit venture capital investors. Last week saw a new development in Amazon's relationship with the French government. Earlier, the company shut down its six warehouses in the country due to a court order that prescribed it to limit the range of goods it sells. Last week, per report by Reuters, Amazon requested to tap a state-funded scheme to subsidize furloughed employees. The authorities rejected that request, saying that, quote, the closure of the sites is the consequence of a court ruling and not a drop in activity. While Amazon is looking for ways to operate under the new regulation, its warehouses will stay closed until at least May 13th. Microsoft will invest 1 billion US dollars in Poland as part of a plan that will involve opening a data center in the country, Reuters reports. The data center will provide cloud services to businesses and government institutions. Microsoft said it has signed an agreement with a domestic cloud provider, Mora Krajowa, to provide cloud services in Poland as a central European country seeks to position itself as a regional center for technology. The partnership with Microsoft will last for seven years and will involve training people in Poland in cloud-based technology. Berlin-based entrepreneur Christian Reba, founder of the beloved productivity application Wunderlist, announced today that he's got a new company called Superlist in the works, The Verge reports. It's not clear yet what Superlist will do aside from being a productivity tool. A recent protocol newsletter had a bit more detail. Some of Superlist's team will come from Microsoft, and Reba is thinking of the app as, quote, an investment into the next generation of Wunderlist. Last year, Reba also raised 500 million US dollars for another product called Pitch, a presentation creation tool that's expected to launch soon. Mobile operator O2 and broadband giant Virgin Media are to enter into a merger worth 39 billion US dollars, CNBC reports. This deal will create one of the UK's largest entertainment and telecoms firms and a major rival to BT. The combined group will have a total of 46 million video, broadband and mobile subscribers, as well as 11 billion British pounds in revenue, the company said. These were some of the most important European tech news stories from the week of May 4th. I'm Annie Musgrove. Now back to Andre. Thank you so much, Annie. That's a great uh, overview. And now we can talk education and technology and uh, everything that's uh, happening between these two. Uh, let's start with the intro round. I would say, uh, Michal, if you can start by introducing yourself and your company. Sure. Hi, I'm Michal Borkowski. I'm the co-founder and CEO of uh, Brainly. And Brainly is uh, the world's largest uh, online learning community for students, parents, and teachers. And uh, students or parents who help their kids with homework can come to us, uh, uh, ask any um, schoolwork-related questions. And our community and our experts uh, help them to understand how to, how to solve their problems. Right. And how about yourself personally? What did you do before uh, founding Brainly? I, I was an entrepreneur with a few projects before, but uh, you know, like Brainly is in my heart. So yeah, that's it. Right. Ed, how about you? What's your, uh, what's your background and uh, what's male science? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've been in education technologies uh, for about 12 years now in sort of three or four different uh, companies uh, in language learning, in, in 
science in uh, uh, tutoring. Um, and uh, now with Mel Science, we specialize in science education uh, kits for home use and homeschoolers, uh, as well as for schools, um, supported by uh, virtual reality and augmented reality apps to sort of bring the science to life. Um, you know, most of science happens at a microscopically small level. Um, so digital technologies and simulations are particularly helpful to help visualize that um, for kids. Um, and hands-on science is obviously what we all remember from our school days as the coolest bits. So that's where we focus. Right. So supposedly, it's sort of common knowledge right now that edutech companies are the ones profiting uh, from the current crisis the most. So is that the case for you? And what sort of changes do you see in your company uh, these days, uh, starting with you, Ed? So I don't know. I think I think most of my friends in the edutech space are really, really struggling due to school closures, actually. I think if you're selling to schools at the moment, you are not selling to schools. Uh, you're uh, you're giving it all away for free and doing your very best to support uh, your your customers and, and and all the teachers in the community in this you know, phenomenal time of change. For Mel Science, we do specialize more in home education resources, and we have seen a substantial increase there. Uh, I think we're about seven x uh, seven times as many new customers day by day as we would expect at this time of year um, because everyone's at home and they need fun educational and entertaining things to do with the kids so science kits are a, are a great option for that right and uh, how about you michael what are you seeing first of all we see this as a tectonic change to the lives of students parents and teachers and uh, in fact like in many countries where we do operate uh, almost like all of the education went uh, moved uh, to online education and um, you know what we see is that it's a lot of struggle for uh, for all of them, it's it's a lot of pain, and it makes the education less equal than than it used to be because of you know access to devices, access to great internet, uh, and we see that in every market, in fact. Uh, and you know, in that situation, I think um, every product that is helping students to learn from home, like immediately became like many times more relevant than than they used to because parents pay a lot of attention, uh, teachers are looking for new resources. And students just need to get their to get their education, and you know, um, like because of that, we are we are impacted uh, um, a lot. Like we see uh, huge increases to the number of users uh, and, uh, and huge increases to their activity. Right. And uh, what do you? How how do you define a huge increase? So let's say how many fold. Oh yeah. So in the U.S., activity of users tripled. Uh, in many countries, we see uh, like a huge increase. Maybe not to the monthly users, but to the daily users. So as a data point, half of the population of students in Poland uh, use us every day right now. So, uh, uh, so, so, so you do. Uh, so you do. Both of you do uh, see this uh, this increase in in demand. Uh, and then the question would be: Did you have to, or did you decide to introduce any sort of new initiatives uh, to deal with the lockdown reality and maybe to support the education systems in different countries and so on? And did you come up with anything? Um, yeah. So at Mel Science, we launched uh, new free science webinars to do uh, DIY science at home. So one of the hardest things for schools to handle remotely were science practicals, science labs. So luckily, we're, we're sort of experts in that at Mel Science. So we do every day, we do webinars uh, covering different 
science concepts that they cover in the curriculum. And people get you know, a few days in advance. You get a shopping list of little things that you can buy you know, on, your, on your shopping trip. And then we'll you know, mash them all together and do some science with them in the kitchen. And that has been phenomenally successful and, and popular, you know, over 10,000 kids within the first few weeks and, uh, you know, lots of schools and teachers sharing that. So I think that was a really interesting kind of quick pivot that we did um, that was just the right thing at the right time, which was lucky. Right. And uh, what is it like for uh, for Brainly? So um, we think about it from two dimensions, so short-term reaction and the long-term uh, planning. From short term, uh, the first decision that we've made was to remove paywalls. So uh, right now, students can use Brainly uh, for free with just watching some some videos, um, uh, some some advertisements, and uh, and and we also started working with the uh, teachers community, uh, and we really want to show appreciation of students to them because what we've seen in the service that we do with students is that they really appreciate work of of teachers are trying a lot to give them the best education. Um, in this in this tough time, so we launched this uh, initiative, online educator of the year award, um, and you know our users can nominate their teachers, and then teachers uh, like accept that nomination, and other students can vote on them, and and we created some prizes and we showed them recognition. But the point is here to show appreciation that we see a lot on the daily on the daily basis. From long term uh, perspective, like we are certainly going to adjust our product roadmap. Uh, we adjust our marketing uh, efforts. Um, like that's definitely a long-term change in our opinion. So, um, so we are very active at looking how our uh, our plan for this year and the next years is going to change because of this uh, of the situation. Right. And since you mentioned that uh, it's a, a long-term change and a tectonic shift in many ways, uh, so let's just uh, try to take a look at I don't know, a bigger picture, do some uh, theorizing, if you will. So do you think it is actually possible to fully emulate traditional school education through online means? And do we actually need to emulate it at all? Or should we just come up with new ways of, uh, of online education? I think we don't need to emulate the entire school to online. Uh, and, and the main reason is that I bet everyone here and everyone who is listening to us, like you remember the school time was this very important part of your life where you created social interactions with, with other uh, people. And uh, you know many of people have friends from high school that they stay in touch with. It was very important to shape students as, as, as humans. And I think that's the, main, that's the main reason why educational system exists. But definitely, but definitely what online learning brings is that it can help to adjust the learning pace to the needs of every single student. Because at school, you have to move with a specific pace that is, uh, that is uh, adjusted to the, uh, to the average uh, student. But then you have students who would like to move faster. You have students who need to catch up with material and they struggle. And then whenever they come home, they can use online uh, education to, to deal with this, uh, to fulfill uh, these needs. Uh, so there are either products that help you to catch up and understand what, what was done in the classroom, or if you are really interested in linear equations and you want to, and you know, in physics and you want to become an astronaut, like there, there are products for you to like really uh, master that, uh, master that topic. And I think this is what, what is going to become more and more visible over the time. And, and what is important right now is that the parents' uh, attention is on these online education tools. So they can explore with their kids, they can check, uh, they can check, uh, various products and decide ultimately which ones are the best for uh, for them and for uh, and for their kids and you know like teenagers do the same uh, to big extent on their own 
uh, and this is exactly where uh, where where we play in. But you know, there is a number of other companies that are trying to to be in that niche. Yeah, indeed, uh, I, I've seen a few seen a few attempts at that as well. Ed, what do you think? Do we emulate, and if not, what do we do then? Yeah, I, you definitely don't want to emulate your know, traditional school, and there's so much of traditional school um, that that cannot be touched online at all. You know, all your group activities and socializing and clubs, you know, is so vital for us as as social creatures. Um, you, you you don't want to lose that at all. But I think there are um, some some really nice examples where online learning is is better than traditional um, learning. You know, mastery. You know, uh, and niche concepts and and learning are all sort of good examples of that. And then I think you know, ed tech really needs to step up, uh, step up, and and show how much better it is and and prove that. And I think one of the things that school closure, you know, due to coronavirus, has sort of done is it's it's forced um, you know laggards on both sides of of you know on the schooling side and on the ed tech side you know, to make sure the thing works, you know, to make sure it's provably good. Um, and it's smashed through huge resistance to change uh, to make that happen. Um, and I think there's a real silver lining in in that, you know, to, to have a step change. But so, and, and the result will be that you, you won't, you won't end up with a, you know, replicating what's being done traditionally, just online, you'll end up with a new hybrid, um, you know, the best of both. And I think that is the the big opportunity and the and the hope for the children that we'd like out of this. Right. And uh, since you already started talking about it, so what are then these changes that are happening in the online education landscape because of the crisis? Uh, what, what what do you see happening? Yeah. Well, I, you know, the new the, the changes here, just like when you change you know change your environment, you can change your habits. So I think you know teachers are are, are much more comfortable using technology now. You know, they have had six, eight weeks now of being forced to use it. We've had some quite hilarious examples of, of teachers who we know would never have adopted it in the past, you know, with our customer support being asked things like, how do I turn the volume up on my mobile phone and things like that? It's like, wow, we've really reached rock bottom of uh, you know, technological knowledge now from, from some of these inquiries. Um, and I think that's fantastic. You know, so I think we, you know, as, as education technology companies, we can continue to simplify things to enable the mass market of you know, teachers and, and parents um, and students to use our technology as easily and as conveniently as, as possible. And what are the other changes due to COVID? We've seen some really interesting examples around kind of webinars and video lessons and things like that, where Originally, when the schools were closed, a lot of teachers said, right, well, I'll make a video of my lesson and I'll send it to my students and they can watch it. And here comes 90 minutes of history. Um, and that was not okay for the students. You know, they couldn't handle it. And a lot of research um, came out of the US last week around, you know, the optimal length of time for a video. And it's closer to 20 minutes for a high school student. And that students overwhelmingly prefer live to uh, video. Um, and that's really important to have that interaction from a learning point of view and an engagement point of view. So it's not just about really high quality content. It's about how we deliver it and how the students engage with it, obviously. And then obviously how you can get, you know, the personalized adaptive learning paths into that, that a good teacher would do automatically or that technology can help to do en masse. Really interesting changes then. Absolutely. Uh, Michal, what, uh, what sort of changes are you seeing? 
I think it will, uh, like in both online and offline learning, it is going to put more focus on, on the things that do work and the things that didn't work. So for example, one thing that we see in this offline to online shift is an adjustment to the to the lessons length. Yeah? So typically what happens is that the lessons are being shortened because of the attention span uh, that is decreasing. And I think it's something that wasn't visible in the offline uh, system in the past and that is definitely uh, visible right now with this with this push to to online, but you know from the markets I believe like I agree live streaming of of educational content is definitely really really interesting to uh, to students. It's also a great way for parents to see that their kids are spending time doing something productive and expanding their knowledge rather than you know like uh, watching some some entertainment videos online. And uh, and yeah, I think like the the ultimate outcome will come from you know like parents' attention that is put on this issue right now a lot. Uh, they kind of live the life of their of their kids before that, and this is creating a lot of opportunities. And you know, from business perspective, I bet we are going to have a lot of uh, new startups being created in educational space that I think historically uh, in Europe was not uh, was not that visible. And that's definitely uh, like creating a momentum for for this entire sector in Europe for sure. Right. And Ed, you mentioned before uh, these uh, startups that sell to schools that uh, it's uh, it's it's a really tough time for them. So, what do you think is going to happen after all? Are is there is there going to be a, a sort of a cleansing kind of uh, of the of the industry to put it like this? Yeah, I think there'll definitely be some consolidation. Um, I think there'll be a lot of companies that'll go under as a result, you know, that live, you know, hand to mouth with with school sales, people that organize, you know, clubs and activities for school students. They're all going to really struggle here. Um, tech providers that sell directly to schools, you know, are having their whole sales season completely wiped out now um, and having to give away their product for free. Um, and particularly if the dynamic around, you know, social distancing continues, possibly for a year or more, you know, this will have a huge impact on how what people sell to schools and how what schools need and want, um, creating both the opportunities that we were just talking about you know, and the challenges for people with existing models. Um, and there was just one other point there that I wanted to pick up on around parent parental engagement, which I think is really, really key. And I'd say was probably my my prediction for the, the thing that would make the biggest difference in education over the next 30 years, say, would be the engagement of parents into the you know, learning of their child. You know, because a little bit of data is a dangerous thing. A little bit of information is a dangerous thing. So if parents know a little bit about their child's education, their performance in geography or maths or whatever. Well, then they're sort of empowered to ask why. Why, why is this the score and why is my child at the bottom of the class or why are they, you know, fallen, you know, 5% in the last week or whatever it is, you know. And and that forces a level of sort of accountability um, and, and focus from, you know, the child's biggest supporter, um, one of the biggest stakeholders in the system, which, you know, schools historically have not been good at, at working with and engaging with. And, you know, teachers, um, you know, or teachers now relying so heavily on parents and parents now having had to become expert homeschoolers, expert teachers across a dozen subjects. Um, I think teachers and parents will have much more empathy and understanding for each other. Um, and I think that's a really helpful bridge 
to build and then to lean on and, and continue to develop you know, a trust in communication lines, trusting exchanges of data and transparency between these huge pillars of support, you know, for children. And hopefully those bridges will also grow between you know, education businesses and, and schools. You know, I think these education businesses that have provided massive discounts for schools, um, provided everything for free, removed all the paywalls, you know, that's that's huge. Um, and a lot of teachers will now struggle with that and and fail and 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 a lot of the education companies will struggle with the volume of uh, usage they'll get and so having a bit more empathy and and hopefully trust between the education companies and the schools well I think that's a great silver lining to try to sort of build on um, out of this in the long run Don't you think that after uh, the parents are back at work and the kids are hopefully back in school, uh, that uh, the parents will not just fall back to the old routines of being not that involved uh, in the education of their children? Yeah, the question of habits. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it depends how long it goes on for, doesn't it? If if we, we've, we've probably passed the rubricon of, you know, I think we, we are now into new habits. You know, you're, what are we now, you know, eight weeks or whatever, plus or minus some holiday time. Um, and, and we're in this, you know, in all likelihood for the majority of schools, I think they're not going back until the winter term now, particularly in the US, the UK, maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't know about more broadly in Europe. But I think that you know, we, are, we are into new habits. And I think with that, you'll get different changes in, in behavior. But you only need it to change a little bit, you know, just to know the door is open for there to be trusted communication between teachers and parents you know, for that whole movement to, to, to just grow and grow and grow over the next 10 years. Right. Michal, what do you think about uh, the old habits? And also, uh, just as your prediction for the next, let's take the same timeline, 30 years, what's going to be the biggest change? I think that's, uh, you know, parents are experiencing the situation for weeks, and there are weeks uh, more uh, to go. So the least that is going to happen is that they are going to understand the needs of their uh, of their. Uh, their educational needs of their children uh, better. So they will be more uh, more familiar with everything that is happening. And I think that's, um, that's a great partnership that is being built uh, uh, in that triangle, students, parents, and, uh, and teachers. So I don't think it's something that is going to go uh, away once the school uh, reopen. Uh, I think because of the um, length that, that the situation stayed, like parents really learned what was going on so they have a clear understanding of the of the opportunities and, and challenges of uh, of education for uh, for their uh, for their children and yeah you know like in in the next 30 years i i believe that a lot of the education is going to shift to to online and and a lot of that is going to be around personalization of that education experience so as i mentioned like leveraging sp specific strengths covering for specific weaknesses of students Like sparking that ideas of you know things that uh, that are interesting, and, you know leveraging the, uh, the the ability of teachers to be so inspirational for students because I bet everyone in this group, like you can remember immediately the teachers that were like so awesome that they shaped your your future. Yeah, and I think a lot is going to uh, um, to to focus on on these key parts of the of the education system that are making our lives the uh, like the way they are. And, and the best things came out of our school education and the impact of teachers on, on us. Yeah? So I think that's going to be a huge part of what's going to happen over the next years.
Right, so personalization and parental involvement. And this is, I think, a great way to end this uh, conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Ed. Thank you so much, Michal, for joining today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Andre. Now, uh, next up in our agenda is an interview with Lingvist, a startup from Estonia that wants to accelerate human learning by an order of magnitude. And this one is coming up after a word from our sponsor. Tech EU podcast is supported by Lark. If you are managing a remote team, you might want to try this next generation office suite. Lark seamlessly brings together chat, video conferencing, docs, calendar, and so much more. You can enjoy smooth video calls for up to one 100 participants with unlimited minutes and advanced screen sharing. Get started for free at larksuite.com slash techEU. Again, that's L-A-R-K-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash T-E-C-H-E-U. Now let's listen together to what could be the future of remote learning. So hey, this is uh, Robin from TechEU. I'm here uh, locked up uh, at home, uh, as I should be, uh, but joined here remotely for an interview uh, by Maid and Lisa from a company called Lingvist. It's an Estonian startup, and I'll let Maid, who's the co-founder and CEO, sort of explain uh, the beginnings, because interestingly, if you go to their website, it starts, it all began in the mountains of Switzerland. <laughs> so I'm very, very curious to hear the, the rest of that story. Hello, everybody. My name is Maid. Thanks uh, for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, yes, indeed, I'm CEO of uh, Linguist. It's a language learning company, but actually has a higher goal to build technology to accelerate human learning by an order of magnitude. And the reason why we came to existence was that I was working as a, a nuclear physicist or theoretical physicist at CERN, the Center of European Nuclear Research. And after the discovery of the Higgs boson, I started to play around with uh, the ideas, how can we use this uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence methods in accelerating human learning and this hobby went out of the control. So we made a company <laughs> and now we're teaching languages faster than anybody else. And so and when did the company start and how big are you now today? We have um, 30 people approximately. Uh, half of them are in Estonia, half of them are spread across the Europe. Yeah, we started six years ago, I think. Six years ago. And have you uh, raised any funding to help you grow? Because it's a very competitive field. I can it's imagine. a very competitive field. Uh, funnily enough, um, Nobody's actually uh, consciously focusing on accelerating human learning. And although there are a lot of uh, competitors in language learning space, there are almost no competitors in uh, building, the, building the technology that accelerates fundamental human learning. Yeah, you asked two questions, right. I answered only one, right? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine, because I'm I'm going to go to Lisa, because you also made uh, uh, an announcement very recently that was very well received, uh, but I'll let you sort of explain uh, what the announcement was, Lisa. Sure. Hey, great to, great to talk here. Uh, well, initially, we can say we are a B2C company, so we mainly uh, do uh, what we do for consumers, for everyone in the world that wants to learn languages and vocabulary very quickly. Uh, and it turned out that about three years ago, uh, high schools in Arizona um, in the U.S. started to use Lingvist in the classroom and have seen such amazing results. Uh, that um, we have dabbled in BTE, so business to education. And more and more high schools and uh, schools around the world uh, are using Lingvist in a blended learning format in their classroom. And so with um, from one day to the next, people having to teach virtually, um, we decided to offer Lingvist for free uh, until the end of July for all educators. Great. That's a very nice gesture. Um, can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on blended learning and what it means? 
Well, basically, we feel that uh, teachers are super valuable and, and they should always, uh, hopefully, always be around to teach our children and, and adults as well. Uh, but um, uh, technology certainly has its... Um, can be used in the classroom in, in really wonderful ways. Uh, so the way that t uh, teachers use Lingvist generally is that they kick off uh, learning with 10, 10 to 15 minutes of uh, Lingvist every morning. Uh, and all kids, uh, all students learn with Lingvist and really brush up on the vocabulary and uh, make use of our AI and machine learning tools. Uh, and then they can get right into uh, solidifying this vocabulary that they've just learned um, with human interactions. And they've found that this just works really, really well. Right. Um, so might maybe, because we, we hear the terms artificial intelligence, machine learning quite a lot, uh, even in this context, but uh, can you uh, talk more concretely about what it actually means in the way that you approach this uh, you know, technology development? Mm -hmm. uh, the idea behind it is that uh, while people are learning with um, software, then the software can record and remember and measure how the memory works. And it can measure it very precisely per every single item that you have learned or, or uh, every single person, uh, for sure. And having this very uh, precise measurements about how students' memory works, actually, machine learning can select what is the best thing to do in the next moment to be more efficient. And there are some studies by the universities that actually show that people who are using linguists, they can learn four times faster compared to the other competitors. So they literally can learn four times more <laughs> vocabulary if they spend one hour learning vocabulary. Um, but you mentioned you want to also move beyond uh, language learning and, and also touch other fields. Well, it feels to me like most language learning platforms expand by you know, adding other languages. You also want to take it beyond that. So can you maybe elaborate on that as well? Yeah. Um, our bigger goal is to build technology to accelerate human learning as such. And the reason why we started from languages is that uh, language is the biggest unique sector of the education. So you can get uh, customers, you can actually um, build a company. Uh, the second reason is that uh, languages are natural access point to any education because most of the people in the world, they need English, for example, to have a better access to the education. The, all of the best educational materials are in English. And the uh, third reason is that uh, um, language, if we uh, explore how people learn languages, then ac we actually also explore how they're learning in general and taking these learnings, actually, we can take this technology to other fields of education as well, because. Yeah, very interesting. Um, uh, Lisa, I see you nodding because we'll be having a video conference. Um, can you uh, add something on, on top of that? I just wanted to to say that it's actually quite a conscious choice on our part to not expand uh, as Duolingo or other competitors do to 30 languages or 40 languages uh, because we work quite heavily with NLP, uh, so computational linguistics, and each additional language that we add greatly slows down our uh, pipeline for innovation and and um, yeah and innovating new technology and and making it even faster so it's a quite a conscious choice why we have the few languages that we do Wow, very interesting to me. Um, um, it might be a bit too early to talk about this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, the fact that you made your platform free until the end of the school year um, and the current situation in general, has have you seen a, a spike, like an uptick in, in, in interest and, and signups? 
Yeah, definitely, we have seen interest uh, in the school sector. We hope that it doesn't um, cannibalize our <laughs> our regular business because uh, we are s- still mostly a consumer company. But we kind of felt that we we need to help where we can help these schools who usually cannot pay for our service. But now when they are forced to uh, do online learning, then we hope that we can a little bit support them. Um, you mentioned that it will be difficult for startups to raise new funding. It's probably going to be very tough on the investors as well. Um, you've raised funding as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, have you heard from your investors at all on how they can help? Or uh, Yeah, we have uh, raised uh, funding from uh, Rakuten, from Japanese big e-commerce giant, uh, from uh, Skype uh, co-founders and uh, some Nordic venture capital firms. And we will see how they can help us if we need. <laughs> but you haven't heard from them yet. Well, um, I imagine that uh, Rakuten is kind uh, of be in a tough situation because uh, they, their business currently is quite dependent on people moving around. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're, we're getting a lot of news stories from, uh, of course, the bigger economies, UK, France, Germany. But how is, uh, is Estonia and the Baltics in general coping with the, the crisis right now? Do you see it in daily life as well? Well, in daily life, uh, the streets are empty. People are sitting at home. There, there are no any panic mode. Uh, shops are <laughs> operating properly. Toilet paper is not bought in excessive <laughs> quantities. But um, we will see how, how long it will last, and uh, we hope for the best. Uh, have you learned anything in the past two, three weeks that maybe you can pass on to to other startup founders that might not be used to working, you know, in, the, in a distributed fashion or working remotely? Do you have any tips to share? Short and uh, frequent meetings are really good to keep this um, human touch. One additional uh, maybe suggestion is that uh, if you're using um, online chatting tools, then you need to check up with people um, in, in the video call and or voice call because these uh, texting chats, they do not convey really the emotion that is quite yeah, crucial yeah, in yeah, working remotely. A lot gets lost in translation yeah. when you use text only. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, have you... Have you uh learned anything in the past two, three weeks? Well, I would just add, I'm, I mean, I'm currently in Munich, Germany, and I see friends and, and family around me uh, really, really struggling. All of a sudden, having work, to work from home, uh, German companies are just not set up for it. And I've been working now for, for Lingvist the past four years, and I've always said Germany is about 10 years behind uh, Estonia in a technological sense, and it really... Uh, hit the last two weeks that this is this is actually the case. It didn't. The last two weeks didn't affect my personal work life at all because this is what we're mm. set up to do, uh, and and there's no uh, downtime on efficiency or anything for for this company. But uh, but I see it around us, and I think it's good to get this wake up, uh, shake up energy that uh, people aren't scared of of technology. That let it help you and and make yeah. use of it. That's a very very good note to close on. Um, uh, I thank you so much for you know explaining a little bit more about Lingvis because I knew the company but I never really mm-hmm. heard the backstory uh, and you know the vision of where you're trying to go. So it was very interesting. Uh, thank you so much for your time and I wish you you know uh, strength and courage and stay safe and sane and healthy and uh, yeah, best of luck with with everything. Thank you. Great. You too. Thanks. 
Thank you, Lingvist. Thank you, Robin, for this great interview. Now, before we wrap things up, let me take another minute for a shout out to our sponsor, Lark. If you are managing a remote team, as many of us do these days, you want to try Lark. It's got everything you need. It's got chat, video conferencing, docs, and calendar. You can sign up for free today and receive 200 gigabytes of cloud storage, calls for up to 100 participants, and chat groups of up to 5,000 people. Get started for free at larksuite.com slash techeu. Again, that's L-A-R-K-S-U-I-T-E.com slash T-E-C-H-E-U. Thank you, Lark, for supporting TechEU podcast. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you for listening. I do hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please help us spread the word. Tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at techEU. Wherever you are, we hope you can stay safe and take care of yourself and people around you. I'm going to talk to you on Thursday in another special episode made in collaboration with The Next Web, and this time we're going to talk to people from governmental institutions about their role in supporting startups. Until then, enjoy your week and take care. Bye-bye.